Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're back, of course, on College Green in Westminster, where it is all happening today. Uh, we are going to have a theme running through the show from now until one o'clock. And it is, of course, uh, the Day of the Living Dead. Theresa May has had the biggest defeat of any government in the history of politics in this country. Uh, she lost last night the vote by 230 votes. 118 of her own MPs don't even like what she's doing for different reasons. Some don't like it because it's not hard enough. Some don't like it because it's not soft enough. She apparently uh, has been humiliated beyond all measure. According to the front page of the Daily Mail today, uh, she's fighting for her life. According to the front page of The Sun today, Brexit is all but extinct. According to the Daily Telegraph, which is my favourite, it is a complete humiliation. For heaven's sake, Theresa, what are you going to do next? According to uh, Jeremy Corbyn, there's going to be a vote of no confidence in the government. He's not going to win that either. Does anybody in Westminster know how to win anything? That's my question. 0344. 499-1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is Talk Radio. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Hey, order on Talk Radio. Now, it's hard to believe it's going to get any better than that, but I'm afraid it is going to get a lot better than that because it's going to get a lot more heated. There's a lot more police down here. I think they've been tipped off that there might be a few more demos going on today. Last night, uh, it was an absolute cauldron of entertainment, uh, of vision, of humour, of relief, of all manner of different emotions. It was an incredible scene here last night. Talk Radio, of course, broadcasting all the way through the night until one o'clock in the morning, and we'll be doing the same tonight and today as well. We've had a vote yesterday by Theresa May, uh, which she lost even more heavily than anybody could have ever imagined. Today, we've got uh, Jeremy Corbyn supposedly putting up his first of many no-confidence votes, uh, which he apparently is not going to win because the DUP have already said they're going to back Theresa May. In order to try and find our way through this zombie-like world of Westminster, uh, we have invited John Rental, uh, the chief political commentator for the independent newspaper, a man uh, who had been talking to me for many years, uh, but we've never actually met. So welcome, and uh, thank you very much for joining the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. What an absolute shambles is all I can start off with. What an absolute privilege to meet you in the flesh, Mike. (laughs) Well, thank you, John. After all these years. Thank you. Um, It is, uh, well, it's, I mean... It's a very controlled shambles. It looks like quite a British shambles. It at is the quite moment. a British shambles. I mean, yes. I think it was quite a sort of continental shambles last night yes. because there's much more sort of hooting and waving yes. of flags and ringing, the bell has ringing of bells. And, yeah. the, and the, uh, yeah, that was the vote leave bell apparently. That's right. And the drums came from the remain side. I'm not sure what that well, means, but uh, I, I didn't know. It what, was quite. No, it was quite cacophonous, wasn't it? Yeah, but but also absolute made absolutely no sense whatsoever mm. because you had two groups of people out yeah. here. Uh, both of them cheering yes. uh, Theresa May's <laughs> defeat. Well, so you had the Remainers who want who want a second referendum. Mm. Absolutely delighted that she's been defeated. And you've got the uh, you've got the hard Brexit lot who want to leave without a deal. Yes, they were all cheering as well. Now one group of those has got to be wrong. Well, exactly. It was a bit like watching... We've uh, seen that famous picture that was on the front page of The Guardian of them all going through the lobby, uh, coming from different directions. It was a bit like seeing one of those kind of scenes from a football match where everybody's been let out at the same time <laughs> and nobody's very sure if it's all going to kick off. Because yeah. it is the most ludicrous thing. I mean, only Theresa May, it seems to me, uh, could have managed to find the middle ground which is most distasteful to everyone. Well, yeah, but it is the middle ground, uh, <laughs> Mike. I mean, that's the, that's the point of it. Yeah. And, and, and it, I, I think her deal is uh, actually surprised, I mean, it might surprise you that I'm saying this, but I think it still is the most likely option mm. to be able, in the end, to muster a majority in the House of Commons. Well, listen, I said when, when it was first revealed that the deal was, uh, was the one on the table, I said, well, at least it's a start. I mean, it's something on the road to what some people want, uh, and it's something on the road to what some other people want. It's not perfect. However, according to the newspapers this morning, it's dead in the water. It's dust. No, it's it not. has turned to not. absolutely nothing. Not at all. Mm. Um, I mean, what is surprising about Theresa May is, you know, I thought she would come to the dispatch box last night after 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 the defeat and have some kind of some kind of clever plan yeah. for how she was going to move it forward. But she doesn't. No. She, she's got the same plan, which is to which is to keep to trying, carry on. Yeah. And um, and and the po- and the point is that you know that could work mm. because you know I mean 
Well, relentless mediocrity is becoming a sort of watchword for British <laughs> politics, isn't it? I mean, it re- and that really is what it is. It's relentless mediocrity. No vision, particularly. Just the kind of a dogged determination uh, that there's the end point over there. We're just going to keep walking towards it, even if we get, you know, hacked down. It reminds me of that scene of the Black Knight in uh, in, uh, in the Monty Python Holy Grail movie where they chop his arms off. And he's like, come on then, let's go. I'm no, ready. But Legs go. I'm still here. No, but the point about the Black Knight is that that was, that was making fun of him because he... he lot <laughs> whereas she has well she keeps losing she though. hasn't yet and the point is i mean th- this is her technique is to is to keep going you're absolutely right mm. dogged determination yeah. refusing to communicate actually what her plan is mm. she never i mean they they absolutely her cabinet ministers absolutely hated it last week before the vote mm. because she wouldn't say what she was going to do after the vote yes. and it turns out she wasn't going to do anything well indeed interesting. and interesting yesterday as well because we were down here yesterday of course talking to lots of different Tory MPs some who were going to vote with her others who weren't um, the view was definitely that the, the, the noises coming out of Downing Street yesterday morning were much more positive than yeah. the final result ended up being we were That's being right. told you know we think it's moving closer to 100 maybe maybe even less at one point people were saying could be as good as 75 yeah. in which case we'll be popping the champagne corks you know <laughs> and then I was actually quite shocked to see uh, 230 massive number of people who seem to have wanted to give give her some kind of a message or yeah, give her well, a bloody nose of one when, kind when you saw Sir Graham Brady mm. in in the in the no lobby with those illegal photos that MPs were taking yeah. of, of, of MPs as they voted that was the moment when you realized mm. it was it was all slipping away from yes her. No, absolutely. I mean we, we assumed during the day that loyalty would kick in and, and a lot of Tory MPs who'd, who'd said they were going to vote against would in the end decide that, that you know they couldn't stomach it and they would they would support the government but actually it went the other way and ended up with Sir Graham Brady deciding that as chair of the 1922 committee representing all Tory backbenchers yeah. he'd better vote against it as well because he just, doesn't agree with but it. But just to confuse the general public even more we then get Jeremy Corbyn immediately launching his uh, vote of no confidence and, and tabling it. We'll have that vote tonight around about 7 o'clock we think um, uh, but immediately again the DUP come out and say well don't worry we're going to support the Prime Minister. Yeah. They didn't even give us a chance to have a little bit <laughs> of tantalising, you know, um, suspense, for heaven's sake. I mean, the timing was awful. Well, that's true. But, I mean, it was interesting because it was straight away. It was was immediately after the vote. The DUP is in the absolutely weird position of supporting the government as long as its most important policy fails. Yes. Um, Which is not a sustainable position. It's really not. And also, I was fascinated last night watching the reactions in Europe because you could tell um, that they were quite shocked as well that the the, the scope of the defeat was as as, as big a number as it was. But they don't seem yet, as far as I can tell, and you'll you'll maybe be more uh, able to to, to watch the subtleties than me, but it doesn't look to me as though anybody in the European Union uh, is willing to help Theresa May out here. No, they're not. I mean, they're, you know, they, they don't think they can. Right. Because, you know, they, they actually they believe in all this stuff. They yeah. believe in Europe. They believe in the, the four freedoms mm. and the indivisibility of the four freedoms. And they're going to, they're going to carry on insisting that they've got, you know, the, the withdrawal agreement was as far as they could possibly go. They actually went further than they, than, than they said they would. Mm. I mean, you know, I mean this, is, this is where Theresa May has sold her negotiating triumph incredibly badly because it was a triumph. Mm. She actually got them to concede a UK-wide cus- temporary customs union yeah. which which does split up the, 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 uh, the, the four freedoms. It actually allows us privileged access to the single market without without free movement of labour. No, indeed. Now, that is that is something she should have been trumpeting from the rooftops. Instead, she said, this is a terrible deal. We hope we never have to use the backstop. Yes. Uh, uh, but it, it's the best I can do, so please vote for it. Well, it I is mean, very it was, confusing as well. When I saw um, one of the um, commissioners yesterday from Ireland talking about the backstop and how they both wanted to have it in there, even though they never wanted to use it. And for the ordinary members of the public <laughs> watching this, they're kind of going, this is a double speak we're yes. hearing here. Why are you putting something into an agreement that you never want to use? Exactly. Why don't you just not bother putting it in then everybody can get on with it right and then you know because we were told yesterday the one thing that might happen again was that if she didn't get too massive of a defeat um, she could go away she could renegotiate with Brussels get them to agree to a date at yeah. which point the backstop would, would, would finish, i.e. 2021, something like that. Yeah, but um, and then everybody would come on board. I don't see that happening, do you? No, but it's madness. The backstop cannot come to an end. Mm. We don't want it to come to an end. We want an open border in yeah. Ireland. Right. Everybody's in favour of that. Yes. But they're not in favour of doing the things that 
that, that are required in order to achieve the objective that everybody signed up to. I mean, are we now in a place where we just cannot get out of? Are we literally trapped in a in a kind of a Dickensian <laughs> cylinder of our own making <laughs> from which we could never um, emerge? Because it would appear that there's never going to be an agreement in the, in the House of Commons for anything. There's going to be no majority for anything. Um, and it would appear that for those who don't want to leave the European Union, that's not a bad place to be because we can just keep arguing about it forever. <laughs> well, no, I think... I mean, Something's got to happen mm. in the end, and and we still don't know which way it's going to go. It could go each of three ways, and that's the whole problem. It's a, it's a, it's a trilemma. Yeah. You know, there is no majority for any of the three options. Mm. We either leave without a deal, which is the legal default if they can't agree on anything else, yeah. or we have her deal, or we um, delay the whole thing and, and have a referendum. Which is my and bet for the best option for the moment. It seems as though there isn't time now, really, to get everything organised by March 29. Well, that's what I thought last week. Mm. But you can't get a referendum unless Jeremy Corbyn supports it. Right. And he really, really doesn't want to back a, gen- uh, a referendum. I mean, those people in the Labour Party who want a, a, a people's vote, as they call it, I refuse to call it that, I call it the second referendum, or the third referendum. Or the third referendum, uh, Or yeah. the loser's vote, as some people would call it. I mean, we had a very interesting caller yesterday who said, what's unfair about all of this is that uh, leavers apparently need to win two referendums, but the remainers only have to win one. Quite. Very I good the, point. The most neutral term is another referendum. Another referendum. I'll go with that, because we do want to be neutral at all times here at Talk Radio, as you can imagine. Uh, not least because of the regulations. But anyway, um, apparently um, all of the Labour MPs who want to have that second referendum another, another referendum, referendum um, are very sure that Labour policy in fact has that on its as, as part of its conference. Which uh, proves they haven't read it. Yes, because, because I you, mean all they've got I mean, that's it. like saying we, we, we basically agree to do almost anything to make this work which doesn't mean the same thing. No, I mean, the, the wording of the, the, the motion that was passed at Labour Party conference mm. says that all options have to be on the table. Yeah. That is not saying we are in favour of a no, second exactly. referendum if we can't get a general election, which is what they think it means. Mm. And Jeremy Corbyn is sticking... Well, it's what they very, wanted to mean. Well, they wanted to mean. And Jeremy Corbyn is sticking very religiously to the, to the actual wording of the policy, mm. uh, which means that you know, a re- another referendum is going to go on being an option. Yes. But it's not going to be an option that he chooses. And presumably he doesn't want another referendum on the basis that he would then have to face his voters who would say, well, hang on, uh, many of us voted for leaving the European Union. You're now telling us that you don't want us to to, to be able to have that without you having yet another vote. And he's put out a tweet this morning, uh, I think I saw just before we came on the air, in which he's kind of hinting at the fact that he's not going to be bullied by uh, the Labour MPs, which is an interesting <laughs> line to take against his own people on well, the day that he's asking for a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister. Well, absolutely. but I mean, And he's not going to be bullied by Labour, Labour Party members mm. either, who are overwhelmingly in favour of another referendum. Yes. Well, it's a fascinating situation. I mean, I presume today what we will have is yet another kind of day of, uh, of lots of speeches being made. Well, the Prime Minister's questions, of course. I mean, I don't know whether he will attack her, because he's notoriously bad at Prime Minister's questions, yep. I always think. You know, because if I was him, I'd be getting straight up at 12 o'clock and getting stuck right into her and saying, why are you even still here? But I don't imagine he'll do that. No. So we'll have a Prime Minister's questions as if there's nothing wrong. <laughs> right? Then we'll have a period of sort of reflection and then we'll have another debate about the, the vote of no confidence. And then we'll have another vote where everybody knows the result of the vote. In I advance. mean, I'm assuming we will not get this horribly wrong and, and somehow there will be a few Tory MPs who will vote uh, as turkeys for Christmas and they'll vote against her. I can't really see that, can you? Yeah, I, that's not going to happen. There would have to be quite a, f- mm. quite a few of them as well. I mean, the, And what about this policy of his, his stated policy now, which is that, uh, well, don't worry, if this one doesn't work, we'll just have another one and another one after that and we'll just keep having them on the basis of what exactly? Well, I mean, that you know, we're in a sort of parallel universe yeah. where, where Jeremy Corbyn is proposing constant votes of uh, no confidence in the government, mm. uh, while the government is proposing constant votes on the deal until, yeah. they, until people come to their senses, uh, in quotation marks. Yes, indeed. And, and, uh, and, and she and has to it. come back now by Monday, presumably, with Plan B. <coughs> yeah. um, what do you think that's going to be? That's going to be um, a, an anodyne motion, which is going to be amendable, so that, I mean, one one interesting thing that didn't happen yesterday was uh, there wasn't an um, there wasn't a vote on an amendment for a referendum. Right. Um, I mean, the Lib, the, the Lib Dems proposed it, but the Speaker didn't. Uh, he didn't, didn't fancy didn't, that one. Didn't fancy that one. No. So at some point, you know, the House of Commons is going to vote on 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 whether there ought to be another referendum, um, but it's going to defeat it, um, and so we will still be in this endless cycle. Of uh, of voting down absolutely everything that is put before the House of Commons, right. except 
should Theresa May continue as Prime Minister of the uh, And of that's the other government. final question, I suppose, to put to you, John, because I know you've probably got a very busy day ahead of you. I mean, can she continue to survive as the leader of a party where so many of her uh, colleagues have voted against her? And I know that they voted against her for a specific reason. However, yeah. they still have voted against her. I mean, she commands clearly no loyalty at all. Well, except we put that to the test last month. Yeah. She, she had a vote in, in her party, which she won by... Not a very convincing margin at all. She had 117 uh, of her MPs voting against her. Uh, and last night she had 118 voting against her, her central Brexit policy. Yeah. So, you know, that... It, the, you know that is another part of the paradox of uh, of, of British politics is that uh, you know people are prepared to support her as, as 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 a government and as a prime minister, but they're not prepared to vote for her policy. Mm. It's an extraordinary state of affairs. It is, as I described it earlier, the Day of the Living Dead. Uh, it will become the Night of the Living Dead, no doubt. When uh, Theresa May survives yet another vote of no confidence from Jeremy Corbyn. John, thank you very much indeed for your help. John Rental, their chief uh, commentator for the Independent. We've got loads more to do. We'll take your calls as well because you must now have some idea of what you want to happen next. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Day of the Living Dead. This is, of course, the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, live coming from Westminster College Green. It's where it's all happening. Nicola Sturgeon uh, is currently uh, in the main central lobby, giving her view on why she thinks there should be yet another referendum. I'm joined now uh, by Matt Chorley uh, from The Times, of course, a man uh, who has probably worn himself out over the last few days writing um, what can only be described as colourful anecdotes about what's been going on in what is a very bizarre uh, and strange political atmosphere, isn't it? It's proper, it's proper crackers. It's it proper is. Crackers. I mean, it's, it's, it's where satire is kind of dying, isn't it? Yeah. All you need to do is just write down <laughs> what people are saying. And uh, that's funny enough exactly. on its own. Absolutely right. Tom Brake is also here, of course. Uh, he is the Lib Dem spokesman on Brexit. Tom, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Um, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Let's start with you before we go to some callers as well. Um, what are we going to do now? I think that's the basic question everybody wants to know the answer to. Well, I wish I had the answer. Uh, <laughs> what I do have an answer to is that uh, I don't think there's any doubt that the no confidence motion will be defeated. So the, uh, there's not going to be a general election. That is pretty certain. What's also certain is that by Monday, the prime minister has to come back with her plan B. Uh, and then the certainty stops. I don't think anyone know, has any idea what her plan B might be. Including her. Including her. And of course, her, the, the initial indication that she gave literally... Uh, minutes after she had gone down and been defeated by the largest margin in over 100 years mm. was that she was going to talk to people who agreed with her, her deal. <laughs> uh, there are 202 of those. That doesn't actually amount to a majority. So it's not clear where, where we go from here. It's not. I mean, Matt, I mean, as far as last night was concerned, it was an incredible atmosphere down here. There was people playing, banging drums, ringing bells, two sides of the same argument, uh, cheering something that they didn't want. I mean, it just it beggars belief, doesn't it, that we've managed to get to this point in what is supposed to be one of the most modern democracies in the world. Yeah, and as the clock ticks down, to what is it, 73 days yes. ago, 71 days Something ago? Something like that. Yeah, to not only not know what we're doing, mm. but not even know when we might know, <laughs> or even if the thing we're supposed to be doing might now happen. Yeah. And, and in fact, it's unlikely now to happen by the time we expect it to happen, presumably. Well, that is that is a feeling that um, Philip Hammond overnight had a, was on a sort of conference course and business leaders. He, depending on who you speak to, was openly discussing, floating or not knocking down the idea of extending uh, Article 50. There's a one of the many subplots, which is difficult to follow, involving some Tory MPs who don't particularly like Brexit. Their plan would delay Brexit until at least December, yeah. I think. Uh, but yeah, time, time is running out, and I think the big problem is uh, the EU would agree probably to an extension of Article 50 if they knew what it was for. Yes. If, if, if last night, you know, by some miracle, Theresa May's deal had got through, but mm. even, even right now the time would be tight if she had got it through to get all the legislation through. But if we could go to Brussels and say, look, we need another month to pass all the legislation, they're not going to give us an extension on the promise that a... For no apparent reason, a, yeah, a because unicorn we still don't turns know up. what yeah. we're doing. I mean, Tom, that's true, isn't it? I mean, in terms of a second referendum or another referendum, which I know you guys would be quite keen on, I mean, you're talking about probably next year before that could be organised, aren't you? No, I think there there is a timetable that could see that, uh, that uh, referendum happening by 
June, but it's a very, very tight timetable. And most people have looked at how long does it take to organise a referendum, because of course we have to have legislation, we have to have a campaign. And you have the to kill off the last one as well, don't you? The Electoral Commission have to, uh, have to look at the question that's going to be posed to make sure it's a fair one. Most assessments, it ta it's a minimum of 22 weeks. Yeah. So basically puts us right slap bang possibly on the date of the European Parliament elections. Now, That'd be ironic, I, wouldn't it? It, it would be ironic. <laughs> I'm not sure it would be entirely helpful either. The, I think the circumstances in which the EU might agree to an extension, that is one of them. The other circumstance in which the EU might agree to an extension is if the UK were to say, OK, uh, we need more time, we need a couple of years uh, more, but we will agree to continue as members of the European Union, no changes whatsoever, and we will have candidates in the European Parliament election. I think in those circumstances, they might agree to, a, to an extension that's not just three months, but, but, but longer than that. It's astonishing state of affairs. Let's take a couple of calls here, because a lot of you want to get on uh, and have your say. And, of course, the MPs are here uh, to talk to you as well. 0344 499 1000. James is in Brighton. James, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well. What, what do you want to say? Well, really, I just wanted to uh, to question one of the things uh, one of your MP guests there said earlier on. He was talking about trying to engineer a moderate form of Brexit. And that's something I really sort of um, feel very, very strongly again. The idea that you have a vote with a binary choice and there's some form of compromise at the end of it to try and reflect the wishes of those who've lost is just absurd. We've but isn't the problem that we that, that we only have a compromise? There is no such thing as, as, as something which is not going to be a compromise, it would seem. Well, the issue I have there is that we keep talking about the parliamentary arithmetic. And essentially, the reason why we're talking about parliamentary arithmetic is because we have a majority of MPs who don't accept the democratic decision that was taken. And what we have is akin. Can you imagine a scenario where we have a general election and the fight loses, say, well, actually, no, we're not going to leave our seats. We're going to stay where we are. We're not going to respect the, um, the results of the referendum. We're just going to carry on. And then you had people arguing, well, there's not really the parliamentary arithmetic there to actually enact the results of the, refer of the uh, general election. We're just going to try and sort of form a compromise and keep the government who was defeated in place. And that's what we have. But that actually is what happens, though, isn't it, in a general election? If, if a party wins a massive, stonking majority, they can do what they want and do their full-blooded uh, manifesto. If it's a narrow result, or is in Theresa May's case, when she lost her, her majority, then you have to compromise. I mean, laws only really get passed in the Commons now by compromising either with the DUP or uh, backbench uh, bills which have got cross-party support. So that actually, that is what happens in a general election. The result was only 52-48. And in order to reflect the views of the uh, public and Parliament, I, I, I would have thought on a result of 52-48, a compromise, middle-of-the-road sort of Brexit is, is what well, we I mean, I think, yeah, I think as long as the compromise involves leaving the European Union. But, I mean, Tom, <laughs> you can perhaps answer this better because you don't want to leave the European Union. No, no, I've been very open about that. And, of course, in the, the, the general election in 2017, I, I campaigned from, from that standpoint and, and was re-elected. So people uh, need, are clear about what my, my views on this issue are. Uh, the difficulty is, and the, the, the vote yesterday confirmed that, that there is no single view on what Brexit is. There are 118 Tory MPs who did not agree with the Prime Minister that her interpretation of Brexit was Brexit. So... When people say, get on with it, it's not clear what it is Parliament's supposed to be getting on with. <laughs> and unless, I'm not sure your caller was indicating or suggesting this, unless we sort of park MPs and then, I don't know, well, I mean, use, I think what James is getting at, James, James, well, you can, you can probably uh, explain this, I'm sure, Unfortunately, yourself, MPs do have views and, well, and they do. We, they we, do. we express them well, and we vote. That's true. However, James, I'm views. sure, will tell you in a moment that, on the other hand, the Parliament did decide to hand this particular decision over to the public uh, without any kind of doubt about what would happen and that's in, why in, in, in the final analysis that's why we're keen to hand it back to the public for a vote in a public's vote people's vote so they can see whether yeah, they're happy many, with perhaps many, happier but, happier but with the prime minister's deal than members of parliament how many more were. times james can they do that what do you make of those answers you got I, I'm, I'm actually highly offended by that um, we essentially have a situation here 
where we had Parliament decide they were going to pass over this decision to the British people. So for this issue, and this issue alone, the views of Parliament are irrelevant. I don't care what any of them think about whether we should or should not leave the European Union. So it's a dictatorship, James, you want? No. A dictatorship... How do you dismiss the views of Parliament? Who's going to take the decision? No, hang on, no, stop. You decided to pass the decision over to the British people. And what you are now trying to do is you are trying to take back control from the people. That is very, that's autocracy. It's on the road to fascism. It's absolutely abhorrent to any person who believes in democracy. What sort of Brexit would you like? If you were in charge and you could totally decide what Brexit was, what, what would you have? Would you well, have freedom of movement? Would you have a hard border in Northern Ireland? Would you have free trade? What, what, well, what's your me, model? Personally, I would be more than happy with anything which met the most important factors for every single person who was polled about Brexit after the referendum. I would want to see our sovereignty increased, not decreased. First and foremost, that is the most important thing. Bizarrely, that, that, of course, would, regard, that would, would lead back to parliamentary sovereignty in the end, wouldn't it? Well, no, not parliamentary sovereignty. The only ahead what of is... the Brexit referendum, we heard talk about sovereignty time and time again. It yeah. is only Parliament who transformed um, sovereignty into parliamentary sovereignty after the referendum. As a result, try and usurp power from those they derive it from. Yeah. Listen, James, it's a very, very complicated issue. I'm really grateful you called in, and I think you will be speaking for an awful lot of other people. Uh, Tom Brake, of course, speaks for the parliamentarians, and he thinks that uh, he's obviously going to justify his job. Tom, thank you very much indeed uh, for coming in and talking to us. We'll see you again very soon. No doubt this will be going on for years and years to come. This is just one of the days of the living dead. Matt Chorley (laughs) and I are going to grow old together in this tent. I'll tell you what. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live in College Green uh, in Westminster, of course, where it is all still happening. It happened last night uh, amidst an amazing atmosphere uh, of uh, of drums being played, uh, bells going off, music, singing, chanting, cheering, uh, bizarrely, from both sides of the argument. Both Brexiteers and Remainers were... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
So happy uh, that Theresa May was defeated by the biggest margin in British political history. 230 votes inside the House of Commons. Today, she's going to face a vote of no confidence from Jeremy Corbyn, which she is probably going to win. Uh, so the question now has to be asked, does anybody in Westminster know how to win anything? We're going to be joined shortly by Stuart Jackson, former Chief of Staff, to David Davis, former Tory MP, of course, for Peterborough. Ross Kempson is here as well. We want to take your calls to 0344 499 1000. It's a Brexit special once again uh, from the heart of of darkness and the place where the living dead continue to stroll around. Uh, this is Talk Radio. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. I'm joined now by Stuart Jackson, a man who knows a thing or two about Brexit negotiations. It seems to me, Stuart, a very good morning, by the way, uh, it seems to me that morning, Theresa Mike. May has been accused and is still continually being accused of not really listening to anybody around her, not really allowing for any kind of reasoned debate within her own circle uh, of Brexiteers. And she's found herself in this position, really, because of her own cussedness. Is that right? Spot on. And in fact, she's dropped the ball even since last night, because it seems now that... She was effectively pushed into saying that she was going to reach out to other people within her own party uh, across uh, the House of Commons. And it doesn't appear to be that is going to be the case. In fact, it's code actually for some people like Greg Clark and Philip Hammond for uh, essentially keeping the UK in a customs union and trying to persuade Labour to support that policy, which is something that's going to completely... Uh, you know, backfire mm. with the Eurosceptic uh, part of the party. And, you know, the Labour Party is saying, well, she's not talking to us, and why hasn't she been talking and having a dialogue with us months ago? I think she does need to focus on one objective, which is to go back to Brussels, to use the chink of armour, the leverage she's got from this massive defeat, to say to Merkel in Germany, look, uh, people in Spain, people in France, people not least in Germany are now saying we do not want a no deal. If you fix the backstop, then we're talking Turkey. We can go to the races and get a deal by the end of March. I think that's her only option. I mean, Donald Tusk last night looked quite uh, sort of surprised at the scale of the loss and suggested seemingly to me anyway without saying in as many words well obviously now the answer is to remain in the European Union uh, similarly the noises coming out uh, from um, from Juncker and others were that you know well we're not going to help you out any further you know maybe you should reconsider your position so I mean as much as Angela Merkel is saying yes there's still time to renegotiate the deal she's going to have to drag them along with her isn't she? Well the problem is that the Germans call the shots yeah. in the European Union and the problem is that there's a huge degree of ignorance and I say that as someone who's very pro German, I've got friends in Germany, I go there a lot, they read The Economist, they read The Times and The Financial Times, and they think that represents Parliament and the people. You know, I went to Germany in September with David Davis, and people were saying, well, when are you going to be voting on the second referendum bill? Yeah. They, they don't understand that our system is, it, we, we take a t completely different view from them in terms of parliamentary sovereignty, democracy, independence. But even they must understand that 40 billion euros worth of automotive products are exported from Bavaria, North Rhine-Westphalia. That's a big chunk when Germany now, we're told, is in a technical recession. And they can't afford a no deal. So we, we've just got to put dogma aside, have some pragmatism, and the whole of the House of Commons has to support Theresa May in one last effort to unlock the backstop and try and get a deal. Ross Kempsell's here with us. Ross, I mean, is it possible for the House of Commons to support Theresa May? I mean, we're hearing that she's supposed to now reach out across the divide, across the aisle, to try and get some cooperation. We heard earlier uh, from George Freeman that there's at least 100 Labour MPs who are moderates, who are maybe willing to have conversations with, with less uh, extreme Tory MPs, soft Brexiters. I mean, is there any chance of that happening? Because I don't see it. It depends whether that's actually really what Theresa May is doing or whether she wants to be seen to talk to other parties in the interim b before bringing back her own deal uh, when we could be looking at a vote after we have that amendable motion on Monday uh, which the government needs to make its plan clear and, and possibly pushing towards another vote towards the end of next week is what sources are saying. Now, if Theresa May tries to bring her, her deal back to the House of Commons again she may be able to use talks with party leaders and this is a concern that's being expressed to me by Brexit backing MPs this morning as a smokescreen for not really having achieved very much and for saying, well, look, I, I've, I've now 
given the House of Commons a chance to approve my deal, I've given the House of Commons a chance to have its say, and at that point starts turning the thumbscrews on Tory backbenchers, Brexiters, saying we're now going to end up with a very soft Brexit unless you uh, come round and row in behind my deal. So that's a fear as to what the strategy might be. Now that's guessing at what the strategy is. We don't actually know yes. what, the, what, the, what the number 10 strategy is right now. So you, you might have a better inkling in, as to what that is. Well, it's a bit like the Wizard of Oz. You pull the curtain back, there's not really much there. And I mean, that's the terrifying thought. But can I just correct you, Mike? I mean, mm. you use the word extreme Tory MPs. I mean, these are Tory MPs that bizarrely are actually following through their manifesto commitment on which all but Ken Clark were elected on. I mean, we were elected, or I wasn't, sadly, uh, but most of my former colleagues were elected on the basis of leaving the customs union, leaving the single market, um, and taking back control from the European Court of Justice and our borders. And, and that's what they're pushing for. And actually, this idea that you know the Brexiteers have not given ground, they've given ground on a transition period, they've given ground on 39 billion, they are willing, more or less, to suck up everything. But their red line is the backstop. And my question to the EU is, you know, we've got a mandate to carry through Brexit. You can easily alter your negotiating mandate. It's your red lines you need to be thinking about because no one is going to put a hard border in place in Northern Ireland. And therefore, pragmatism and sensible uh, collaboration and consensus can solve this issue. But the problem with the red lines, it seems to me, and my, my term extremist was not meant in, a, in an insulting way. It was only meant in a I wasn't kind of insulted. A, no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean that it was meant in the sense that, you know, when we talk about the Tory party having, you know, one extreme and another, it's kind of that sense that I meant it in because that's what you have here because everybody's red lines are in different places, unfortunately. I mean, if there was one red line that you could draw down the centre of the chamber and say, all right, let's move that, that'll be fine. But unfortunately, there's about another 20 red lines next to it which are all very very close together and kind of come consecutively and so you know getting rid of the backstop from, from, from one set of, uh, of people in the Tory party is a good idea for others not so much and the DUP certainly are having a massive problem with it aren't they so yeah. I mean it seems to me that we have a kind of intractable problem here without a solution Ross well, well, talking about intractable problems, there are two key contradictions, political contradictions right now that are characterising all of this debate. The first is that we have a Prime Minister whose government can command the confidence of the House of Commons, which we're going to see later today, but she cannot command a majority in the House of Commons for her central idea about her government, her central piece of legislation. So that's a, a key issue for her personally in terms of her leadership. The second key issue is that there's no clear majority in the House of Commons at the moment for any of the alternatives. Now, this morning, second referendum campaigners have been out in the Labour Party saying that there are more than 100 Labour MPs who back a second referendum, but only actually 71 have signed up to that on the letter this morning. That gets nowhere near the kind of majority you need in the House of Commons to get the necessary legislation through, and there are all kinds of questions about whether that could now be done in the timeframes that we're talking about. Almost certainly have to extend Article 50. So, in that stage, you know, if that argument falls down, there's no clear majority in the House of Commons at all for a Norway option, no clear majority in the House of Commons at all for the kind of Bowles plan that's been talked about. If there were to be any kind of sense of a majority in the House of Commons moving towards a permanent customs union uh, d does seem to be s some way that the numbers can work but the political realities of that are extremely difficult because the Prime Minister has repeatedly refused to offer that it's not something that uh, Tory backbench Brexiters are going to uh, roll over and accept uh, uh, with any kind of uh, sense of easiness at all so th there is a real gridlock still in the Commons The Independent Republic of Mike Graham Live from Westminster Order! With Rapier Sharp and Instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here in Westminster. We're on College Green. I don't think anyone is accusing anyone else of highway robbery last night. I think everyone expected Theresa May to lose the vote. Not quite by such a big margin as, of course, she did lose the vote. However, uh, we are now where we are, uh, which is a phrase that's being used more and more in Westminster. I'm calling it the day of the living dead, uh, not just because Theresa May appears to be a dead woman walking, but also because Jeremy Corbyn is now pushing ahead with a vote of no confidence. He's almost certain not to succeed. So my big question to all of you, out there is does anyone in Westminster know how to win anything uh, let's talk now to yet another Tory MP former Minister George Freeman uh, Tory MP for mid Norfolk George very good uh, morning to you welcome nice to see you Mike thank you very much for joining us you know we are in this rather ridiculous place now are we not which appears to be um, you know a sort of um, a complete and utter jigsaw puzzle with several pieces missing uh, which you're never going to find and well, you're going to be looking around under the carpets and behind the curtains for the rest of your lives I call this the deferred Christmas panto yes we well, should have had this vote in December 
December, and yes. we're in the sort of behind you moment. Mm. It was obvious that the deal was going to go down on the first vote. There's a ton of shroud raving going on. Jeremy Corbyn's posing as a Remainer yeah. in London and a Brexiteer up north. There are Tory MPs who've got a signal that they don't like it. We're just in the foothills mm. of the manoeuvrings on this. Yeah. It was clear she was going to lose. And the longer it went on, it was clear the majority would get bigger. The challenge now, I think, is the mandate is getting less and less and less. When yeah. I hear hard Brexiteers saying... You know, it was very clear result. It wasn't 48-52. It was an absolute mandate for hard Brexit. It wasn't. And if it was, it certainly disappeared in the last election. Yeah. And last night, the mandate got even smaller. The irony of last night but there is, is that I was, I was a Remainer, leaving, right? But there is still a mandate for leaving the European yeah, Union. Yeah, I do. Right? I absolutely think that. I yeah. was, so I was a Remainer. I was a business minister. Felt very strongly that this would damage our economy, short term, maybe long term better. And it would damage my constituents' interests. I've compromised to vote for Brexit. But last night... We were hijacked by an extraordinary coalition of the hardline Brexiteers yeah. joining Jeremy Corbyn to oppose the Brexit they've asked me to vote for. And all they did last night, actually, was increase the price that Labour were going to pay for their support. Mm. It, if we'd lost by 20 votes, some environmental protections, some regulatory guarantees, some workers' rights, good stuff, yeah. would have probably brought Labour over. Now it's probably customs union. Mm. You couldn't make it up. The hardcore ERG last night, like sort of hostage takers... Uh, you know, kidnappers, they sort of shot the hostage that we're now in a situation where the Labour Party uh, are setting the running. And I'll be voting for the government today. Nobody wants a Jeremy Corbyn administration now. Nobody wants the SNP to use this as an argument. For well, when you say nobody, you, do, you mean, of course, Jeremy Corbyn wants Well, one. I don't and think people in the... Labour Party uh, yeah, OK, in the majority <laughs> of the country. People want well, us, I mean, us you, to get on and sort You don't know out. that. You'll only want one way to find out. It's over the general election. My problem with the general election is that you're going to be presented with two choices which are more or less the same. Exactly you right. You know, what I'd like to see is a general election with two choices which are different. Exactly right. Exactly now, right. why can't we have a party that surprisingly wants to support remaining in the European Union and a party that wants to support leaving it? Right. Um, I mean, I know that sounds simple, but can't we get that? Well, you've put your finger on something really important, that our system works on binary choices. Um, parties basically evolved around the binary defining choice of the 19th mm. century and then the 20th century. And, of course, this issue uh, isn't really It binary. doesn't work like it that. It doesn't work like no. that. And so what we've got to do, I think, is sort this out in Parliament. And every MP has got to you know, stop shroud-waving and start to find a solution. Do you know, the, the really bigger challenge here is that public trust in politics and parliament is at an all-time low. It certainly is. And if we don't and it's sort not this out... Get, it's not going to get any better. It's actually going to reach even further lows uh, if there's, for example, another referendum. I agree. Uh, if, for example, uh, the par parliamentarians cannot find a way out of this. I completely agree, which is why, although I was a Remainer, I, I on, I'm prepared to honour the referendum result. But the mandate was 48-52. It wasn't a thumping majority. Yeah, but, a I mean, we lead on simple majorities here. It doesn't yeah. really matter, so does I, it? I mean, the Theresa May hasn't got a thumping majority to run the country, but she happens to be doing so with right. the help of the DUP. So, right. I mean, if you have it in that sense, then you have to t take it in the other sense. Right, but my point is I'm prepared absolutely to commit to Brexit uh, and to try and make sure we get a withdrawal agreement. That's why I voted for the government last night. But I think the truth is... The mandate isn't conveniently in one party. It's not on one front bench. I've never known a parliament where the leaders of the debate now are really on the back benches. Mm. And I think the truth for the Prime Minister, which is a, a bitter pill to swallow, is that, to use a rugby metaphor, she's no longer the captain of the team. She's the ball. And we're all <laughs> scrumming down, trying to push the ball over the line yeah, in the well, right place. It's not a pleasant analogy, but uh, I'm going with it just for the moment. Yeah, we'll see if we can find thought. a better one. Mark in Castleford wants to have a word. Uh, let's find out what he wants to say. Great. Mark, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. And sorry, I forgot the MP's name, but George. really interesting. And uh, hi, George. Um, really interesting to listen to you. And I thought um, I thought you were spot on with what you said. And in particular about Jeremy Corbyn, um, I, I, I do not know what his position is, and yet and yet I listened to Jim Shannon of the DUP yesterday, who said that if the deal went through, he would immediately and the DUP would withdraw their supply and confidence. Uh, to the Conservative Party. And I just thought, why didn't Jeremy Corbyn just vote for it last night and then immediately the government falls and then then Jeremy Corbyn could have revoked Article 50 and gone into negotiations. It's open for him if he wanted to do it last night. That's it's the a very good way point. for him to do it. It's a and really good point. I, yeah. Sorry, the answer to that is, that and I think you know that very well, is um, up north, Jeremy Corbyn in Castleford and other the places that voted heavily to leave, Labour strongholds, he poses as a Brexiteer. And to be fair, he was always pro-Brexit, um, way back. He's a Benite, hard-left 
uh, Labour uh, campaigner who felt that the European Union was a capitalist conspiracy. Do you remember all that in the 70s? I do. But down in London, where there's a big majority for Remain, he poses as the champion of the Islington London Remain wing. The Sadiq Khan Brigade. There you go. Now, I, I respect both views, but you can't hold both at the same time legitimately. And I think what Jeremy Corbyn is trying to do is uh, try and destabilise, deepen the divisions and create chaos so that even his shambolic front bench look more organised than this mess. And in the end, I don't think he wants a no, uh, second referendum. He wants Brexit to go through on Tory watch so that he inherits a post-Brexit Britain and then he'll win. So he, he's playing a very dangerous game. And I think a lot of Labour MPs also want Brexit to go through. That They want to be the people who can say to their constituents, it only went through with my support. There's a majority in this House for a sensible Brexit, yeah. and now we've got to find it. I think one of the problems, Mark, and I don't know if you agree with this, is that so many people are using this as a political game. Absolutely. I don't get the sense at all uh, that anyone inside the Houses of Parliament is doing anything for the good of the country. They keep saying it. They keep, it's like somebody bashing you on the head with a brick and saying, I'm doing this for your own good. I'm doing this for your own good. I'm doing this for your own good. And after a while, you realise, actually, I'm not enjoying this. This is not for the good of me. It is for the good of you. And I don't know where this is all going to end, uh, Mark. What do you think should happen? Well, I just apropos that point you made there, Mike, I watched a lot of MPs come on last night and the word, and it's not the word I like to use lightly, but it's, there are so many of them are deceitful. And George was perfectly honest there, and I wish there'd been more honesty. That, that probably should have gone through last night. And in fairness, I'm not a supporter of Theresa May, but that should have gone through. However, I think as to what will happen, I think Theresa May, who has handled the whole business rather badly, I think she played quite a good card last night in saying to Jeremy Corbyn, OK, let's see where exactly you stand today. We'll, we'll vote for you in all confidence. I will pass it. And now then, where does Labour stand? Because going back to your previous point, Mike, if there was a general election, the only thing that would solve this problem is if one party was pro-leave yeah. and one party was pro-remain. That's the only way it would solve itself. And Jeremy Corbyn is trying to ride two horses at the same time. And Mark, until he sorts a... himself out, there won't be any, any end to this logjam. It's a brilliantly put point, Mark. Can I just ask, do you think that the majority of people in this country want party politics to completely change and to spend the next five years arguing one leave party, one remain party? Or do you want, do you think people want us to get on, find a compromise, deliver a moderate soft Brexit that most but not all can agree with, and then get back to the real challenge of governing the country and debating the big issues, housing, drugs, uh, local government? Yeah, I think you've put it exactly in a nutshell, George. Most people, and I, I live and am part of a huge, a huge leave area part of the, the what they call the red leavers and are now being called yeah. and i'm in that heartland and they are getting slightly more angry slightly more frustrated that why hasn't it been done and this only adds to the already diminishing amount of, of uh, goodwill that there is for the political class if there's any left george yeah, you're dead right what you say you, you it needed to be solved last night really and got on with it however george there's just one thing i will say the only the Europe did know this was going to happen, and that's why they put... I, I cannot, as a, as a person who is, you know, follows his politics and what have you, I cannot believe that you've got one party saying we don't want to border, another party saying we don't want to border, a third party, Europe, saying, well, we don't want to border, and somehow they've made that the stumbling clause of the whole damn thing, and that just appears to be politics, uh, politicians playing politics. Well, I, I, I totally no hear sense, you, Mark. Does it? Um, and also, but I mean, that also, Mark, suggests to me that there is no way we can ever find a way out of this. Because if you can't even agree on that, which you all agree on, then how the hell are you going to find an agreement on stuff you don't agree on? Well, I think there is something in the backstop that could help. Um, you know, to be fair to the DUP, I mean, I never wanted us to be in coalition with them. No. Um, and I think the minute we went into that coalition agreement, you know, we were basically um, laying ourselves open to perfectly fair. I mean, they can name their price. And the problem with this agreement, I do understand their problem with it. And for your listeners who, frankly, tuned out um, a few weeks ago, basically what the deal says is for transition, we'll stay in the European Union while we find a negotiator subsequent agreement. If we can't find a subsequent agreement, then what will happen is that uh, the backstop kit kicks in. Northern Ireland remains in the European Union. And if Great Britain, the mainland, if we decide to diverge from any regulations, the regulatory border appears in the Irish Sea. So now there are all sorts of regulatory things I'd like us to do. And the problem with that in principle is it begins to undermine the union. 
And you could see Sinn Féin and the nationalists in Ulster saying, you know, there you go, the British government have sold Northern Ireland out and using it to accelerate a united Ireland. More importantly, in a way, I think you could see Nicola Sturgeon using it as a dangerous precedent to say, well, if it's good enough for Northern Ireland, we'll have it. And then you see what I always feared, which is that Brexit would light the fuse on the unwinding of the United Kingdom and we'll end up with a little England diminished, uh, much reduced in our ability to influence world events, a little place with a much smaller politics, and that would be a disaster. Indeed. Well, you haven't given us any hope whatsoever there, I'm afraid. I'll give you some hope. Um, I'll give you some hope now. All right, give me some hope quickly. There are very sensible Labour MPs who want to deliver a moderate Brexit. I take my hat off to Ian Austin last night, John Mann, who have uh, voted for Brexit because their constituents did, and they today will be getting um, serious abuse from Momentum and from the Corbynites. There is a majority in this House of cross-party MPs. There's about 100 Labour MPs who are working with me and other moderate Conservatives who want to deliver a sensible Brexit. I think joining EFTA, the European Free Trade Area, which, remember, puts us in the single market, out of the customs union, not subject to the ECJ, British court, free to do trade deals, it's pretty good. And I think we could get that through. The Prime Minister has got to change strategy, though, profoundly change strategy, from thinking of Brexit as some sort of Tory triumph, a sort of ideological victory for the Tory right, and totally switch to making this a one-nation, cross-party Brexit compromise that means we can move on and get back to the real challenge, the things I was proud we were doing in the coalition government. And if she can do that, then maybe there is a way out, but I'm not sure she can, and maybe it has to be done with somebody else. George, thank you very much indeed. George Freeman there, thank you. Uh, MP for Norfolk, talking some sense, but not giving us any answers, really. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 